0: Welcome to out of bounds. I am here for the NFL week eight recap. We're nearing the midway point of the season. We have a pretty big enough sample size to make some conclusions about these teams. Um, The trade deadline actually just passed today, uh, which I'll end up getting to uh, in the later part of my podcast. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of good games this week. Um, So let's get into it. Yeah, there's a couple of defensive games that I want to start with in the beginning. Um, The first game that I thought would be super interesting to recap was the Houston Texans at Carolina Panthers. Um, The reason I thought this game would be interesting is because if you guys started listening from week one, you'll remember that um, my special segment during that podcast was pretty much a comparison between CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson who are the top three quarterbacks selected in this past year's draft. Um, And here we got to see a head-to-head matchup uh, between, you know, pick number one and two. Um, Unfortunately, Anthony Richardson, I guess he only played CJ Stroud for like a quarter. Um, And then other than that, we haven't gotten to see him play these guys. Uh, The Colts are at the Panthers this upcoming week, so it's unfortunate that we're missing that. But um, yeah, let's get into the recap of this game. Um, To be honest, I thought, you know... uh, I thought it's pretty easy just to see how far these quarterbacks have come, right? Like, in the beginning, I thought CJ Stroud has always been phenomenal, but I was pretty impressed by Bryce Young uh, in this game, you know. Um, before, he was, like, not really able to, like, complete, like, simple throws, like, checkdowns or even passes to the outside. In this game, like, he was doing plenty of that. Although, I will say, like, compared to the first game, like, his receivers were a lot more open um, in this game, and, you know, he did a pretty good job, Um, it was a super defensive game obviously. Uh it finished pretty like the final score is 15 to 13 only. Um you know, I thought in their first drive, both in their like first drives that set up, you know, the goal to go possessions, each QB made like a pretty insane pass. Um let's see. I guess it's this Houston's third possession um where CJ Stroud like made this pass to um i think it was who's it noah brown i think he basically like just like threw it in such an insane window um to get it through him and that's one moment where i was just like dang like this is like a this is like a very very good pass for like a rookie quarterback to be making um i think it was like one like straight down the middle where there were like three defenders or something and cj Stroud just kind of guns it in there and i'm i'm just like dude like this guy is this guy's unbelievable. Um. I think he's gonna be so good and just the fact that they're like three and four they did lose this game but just the fact that they're three and four going into this part of the season is like very impressive um on its own um and yeah and similarly like you know i think bryce young had a pretty insane pass as well on his first drive to adam thielen uh the first drive where they i think they end up going goal to go um i want to say it's a deep pass yeah it's a deep pass to adam thielen uh, for 31 yards that Bryce Young hit. I thought that one was insane, too. Like, he threw it up high and put it in a spot that only Thielen could get it while it was being, like, you know, slightly covered. Um, and, and he's he's definitely shown improvement. Um, So in that one, actually, um, at fourth and two, they don't end up converting, and they actually turn it over on downs, but then the next drive, you know, they go down and score a touchdown. Um, I thought this game was pretty interesting as well because... Like, there was, like, a good amount of pressure um, on the quarterbacks. I think, well, Bryce Young got sacked, like, six times, which is a lot. Like, the Texans' defense is pretty good. CJ Stroud only got sacked twice. But, again, like, they only ended up, only ended up sc- scoring 13 points. So, again, both defenses played pretty good. Um, I thought, you know, I think before, if you remember what I said in week one, Bryce Young, in when he was at Alabama, this man was making, like, insane, like, plays with his feet where, you know, not really, like, running, but just, like, using his feet to move around, avoid pressure, wait for his receivers to get open, and then make a throw down the field. And I thought this game he was doing that a lot more similarly to what he looked like in college versus what he looked like the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. Um, you know, I-, I thought he looked really good. Um, they had a couple of clutch runs, you know, especially on the, at the end there to seal this game. Um, yeah, under, I guess, you know, Houston, they're up 13 to 12 at this point. Um, they score a touchdown, uh, but I guess they miss the extra, or sorry, they, the, the two point conversion attempt fails, right? So they're only up by, uh, one point, you know, and then there's a bunch of punts. Um, the, the Panthers are driving at this point, um, you know, they get a pass interference call that kind of, uh, helps out their drive. Um, Bryce Young gets sacked. Then after that, you know, Bryce Young himself runs for seven yards, short pass to Adam Thielen for ten. Um and then after that, you know, Chuba sorry, Chuba Hubbard uh gets it going on the ground. Uh, you know, he has just a couple of short catches, a couple of runs, and they slowly just move the ball, you know, all the way up into field goal range. Um, Eddie Pinero hits a twenty-three yard field goal and the Panthers walk away victorious in this one for their first week of the for their first win of the season. Let's go. Carolina Panthers. Frank Reich on the board here. One and six. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I mean, you know, pretty pretty good game for Bryce Young's first win. Um, he was, like, all smiles afterwards. It's kind of wholesome to see, you know. Um, his first six weeks in the season or seven weeks in the season have not been too great. Um, but finally here in week eight, they come away with a win. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it for this game. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, just to compare the two quarterbacks. Other than that, you know, it wasn't a great game. Let's see. Um, Damian Pierce, only 12 carries, 46 yards. Chuba Hubbard, 15 carries, 28 yards. Um, Adam Thielen, I guess, led this game in re- with the receiving yards. He had eight catches for 72. Jonathan Mingo had four catches for 62. And the leading receiver for the Texans was Noah Brown with 57 only. Um, Nico Collins was held in check, only four catches, 30 yards. Um, Pretty defensive game, but, you know, that rookie quarterback comparison was kind of intriguing to me. So I thought, you know, let's watch the highlights of this one and check it out. Um, Moving on to another defensive, somewhat miserable game. Um, You know, living in Jersey City and living pretty close to New York, um, I thought it was pretty important to recap the Battle of the Titans the New York Jets at the New York Giants, um, which ended with a 13-10 win in overtime by the New York Giants. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but their low-key might be some sort of podcast chinks going on here. Um, like, literally last week, I'm, like, talking about the Giants, and I'm like, dude, for one week, everything is great. You know, they pull off a win, and then now, um, you know, now they, they come into this game— Um, It's raining. They lose Tyrod Taylor to injury, and they lose in overtime uh, to the New York Jets. Um, I mean, I don't even know how much I can really fault the Giants for this game, right? Like, when Tyrod Taylor was in there, the yardage, like, looks crazy because he basically competed. Like, the stats from this game are just so weird. Like, so Tyrod Taylor completed four of seven uh, passes for eight yards, um, and he was sacked twice. And Tommy DeVito, his backup who came in, completed two of seven passes for negative one yards. As a team, they have negative nine passing yards. And they were, like, literally about to win this game, (laughs) which is ridiculous. Um, Again, I just don't know how much I can blame them with Tyrod Taylor going down. Like, you have Tommy DeVito in there. He pretty much could only run the ball. Um, He had four carries for 12 yards and one touchdown. It was either that or he was trying to throw, like, short passes. But, again, like, nothing could be completed. So they were pretty much just running every single, like, you know, carry to Saquon. And Saquon in this game had 36 carries, 128 yards, which is just, like, 36 carries is so much for a running back, especially in today's passing offense. But, you know, weird stuff like that happens when you're down um, two quarterbacks. Um, They were just kind of put in a really bad situation. I thought, you know, the Giants, their defense started off great with that sack fumble. Um, I'm pretty sure that that led to their first... uh, That led to, like, their first field goal. Um, You know, they're only at their – yeah, they basically return it for seven yards. Um, They they didn't have to do anything at that point. They were already in field goal range. The offense didn't do anything. They just pretty much, you know, um, went three and out. But they were already in field goal range, so they just kicked a field goal. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, like, it's pretty unfortunate for the Giants. Like, after that, like, you know, it's just a ton of punts. They actually had a missed field goal as well. Um, you know, it, it was just a lot for them. Uh, the They had one good drive to start the third quarter, which is the, that led to the Tommy DeVito, you know, touchdown drive. At that point, they're up um, 10 to seven on the jets. And then, you know, they get enough, like, honestly, Graham Gano might have sold them this game. Like missing those two field goals was just so like backbreaking for them. Um, because like, obviously like, you know, there was, they weren't the best, um, they didn't have like the best, like potent passing offense or anything. And their defense like did a decent job, you know, like forcing punts and getting them like good field position. But then if you get all the way down there and you just like keep missing the field goals, like, I I don't know, like what are you supposed to do? Like your field, your kicker can't hit a field goal and you just end up like losing after that. Um, yeah, they're pretty much like stuck at 10 points. Like they kicked this first field goal. They had um, they had the the Tommy DeVito touchdown, and then after that, you know, they kept trying to uh, kick field goals, but they just didn't work. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I don't know where the Giants, like, go from here. They're pretty badly screwed if both of their quarterbacks are out. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Daniel Jones can come back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a wash of a season for this team, like we've talked about uh, before. But let's go over to the Jets' side. Yeah. Um, so pretty messy game from Zach Wilson I guess. He was he was 17 of 36. He had 240 passing yards. Um he had one touchdown. He was sacked four times. Again, not a high like you know completion percentage type of game for him. Um but again, like he didn't throw away the game for him, for his team and that was kind of enough. Um Garrett Wilson kind of popped off. He had seven catches for 100 yards. He made a bunch of timely plays especially when the Jets needed it. Uh you know, he's kind of like a down the field threat for them. Um, he was just, you know, racking up big chunk plays for them to move the ball down the field. Um, and again, like I'd like to bring up Brees Hall cause that man is a beast. Um, he is like such a dangerous tut- like check down weapon. Like there's a lot of plays where they are not even like, it's not like the Jets are scheming, like tut- like passing plays for Brees Hall. I guess some of them are, but a lot of them aren't like, he's just so dangerous because Zach Wilson, like anytime he's panicked he can just look to Brees Hall for a check down and Brees Hall can like, you know, run around and make a bunch of people miss his touchdown run was ridiculous. Like he caught it like going across, he made like three or four people miss and then just like had like this whole entourage along the side, along the sideline and just took it in for a touchdown. Um, And that honestly like won them the game. Like they didn't score a touchdown outside of that. Um, They had two field goals, you know? So like in games that their defense is so good, Having Brees Hall is such an advantage because he can pretty much, you know, just get you that one big play that you need to score. And like with at with the Jets' defense as good as it is, like it doesn't really matter. You know, like that one score is like good enough to win you the game. Um, and they're like four and three. Like they haven't done a terrible job. Like it seems like they'll have a shot at wild card, which is pretty insane. Um, I'm man, I'm just like so curious to see like what this team really could have been like with Aaron Rodgers like they could have oh man they could have been like really dangerous um Aaron Rodgers apparently who's still trying to come back so we'll we'll see about that um again like he's he's uh throwing out on the field now I don't know we'll see um yeah and, and you know again like I went back and I mentioned Saquon's stats like he's like the main reason like you know the Giants were even in this game um, he had a couple of big plays that at least extended drives and got them into, like, field goal position. It just – like, they just couldn't convert on the field goals. Um, and, and, you know, they had like, the sack. Like, the Jets are down, like, 7 to um, 10, right? Uh, and and they basically have a sack on Zach Wilson. Uh, let me see. I think it's, like, their third to last drive. Yeah, like, they basically – it's fourth and 10, and, like, the Jets just have to go for it. There's only a minute, 33 seconds left. Yeah. Um, They he he basically gets sacked for 15 yards like the game should have been over at that point. It's 10 to 7. You sack the quarterback with 133 left in the fourth. But then again, the Giants missed the field goal, you know, after trying to kill some time. The Jets called all their timeouts Um, after that, after the missed field goal, the Jets get the ball back and then they go four plays, 58 yards in just 24 seconds because of a huge play to Garrett Wilson Um. And then another one big play to Alan Lazard. And at that point, you know, they spiked the ball one second left to go, and he hits the field goal. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty – it was like an interesting game, you know, Uh, between kind of like 2 like weirdish teams, two two teams that have had quarterback injuries. Um, But, yeah, more of a struggle for the Giants. The Jets pulled this one off by just taking advantage of the mistakes that the Giants made. Um, And, you know, they're sitting at 4-3, and like I said, with a shot at the wild card, so – Pretty impressive for them. Um, moving on to my third game. Uh, trust me, the games get a lot more interesting now. If you're listening to this and wondering why I chose these games. Um, so I'm going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles at Washington Commanders. The Eagles win a shootout 38-31. to 31. Um, This is the second game that the Commanders have given like real problems to the Eagles. Um, and a lot of that starts with Sam Howell. Um, You got to give him credit. He was on point to start the game after a bad performance from last week. Like he was throwing absolute dimes like to all of his receivers. He just looked really poised. Um, And, you know, after a game where they gave up like, I forget, like six or seven sacks, you know, uh, to the Giants. Sam Howell only gets sacked one time in this game. And, you know, some of that is like we talked about it is probably him holding on to the ball a lot longer than he should so maybe he just like went in film and like noticed it and just made quick decisions but his ability to throw the ball in like tightly contested spaces is very impressive like he's a pretty good quarterback like i'm not going to lie like i mean i'm not going to say he's like elite sitting at the elite tier but you know he he ha- he's like definitely above average and like i don't know i would take him over like you know like the bottom like tier quarterbacks um, in the league his stat line is ridiculous he was 39 for 52 397 yards four touchdowns and one pick Um, he was balling like I give him a ton of credit like he definitely had the Eagles like sweating in this game and it literally looked like they were about to win without like the 20 21 points that the Eagles scored in the fourth quarter like he was pretty dangerous Um, like so let's go over their receiving stats Jahan Dotson had eight catches for 180 eight yards with one touchdown. Jamison Crowder had seven catches, 95 yards, one touchdown. Terry McLaurin had 63, five catches for 63 yards, one touchdown. And Logan Thomas had six catches, 44 yards, and one touchdown. I just like how Sam Howell is distributing that rock evenly. Like you see all these receivers they're eating um, compared to you know Jalen Hurts on the other side who's just been throwing it to A.J. Brown. Come on, man. You could learn a little bit from Sam Howell. Nah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, not really, but, you know, in this game, it's definitely true. Um, Brian Robinson had only 10 carries for 59 yards. Um, and it felt like most of those came on, like, that first drive, which is, you know, pretty good for them. That kind of set them um, up. for. I think Terry McLaurin was the one who had that first touchdown uh, catch from Sam Howell. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was impressed with the commanders, you know. Um, but one thing I will say is, you know, for the overall outlook of the game, Um, like you know the main reason that they were in this is because the Eagles had their own mistakes right like um, they had two turnovers in the red zone like right as they were about to score so if you look at it that way the Eagles really should have scored like 52 points which is ridiculous to think about but like you know and they're like really really right on the goal line too for both these turnovers um, happened but You know, it's so like if they score on those two drives, like 52 to 31, like you're like, okay, whatever. It's like a high scoring game, but it wasn't even really all that close. And like that is possible to happen because just because they were there, like if just one play goes, like it's not like too much time would be taken off the clock. So it is possible they could have scored 52 points in this game. Um, Going over to the Eagles side, A.J. Brown was is literally unguardable right now. Like we need to just stop and recognize what this man is doing it's been like seven games or something since he's had 125 plus receiving yards um he is like literally unguardable like you can just throw it up to him on the outside and have like confidence that he's gonna come down with it and it's literally what Jalen Hurts has been doing like I was kind of making fun of him for it before but like I really don't blame him just because like if you look at like how what the plays that AJ Brown is making like how are you not feeding him like I bet you Nick Sirianni is whispering in his ear, like, bro, like, if you don't see anything, just throw it up to AJ and hope for the best because he's going to come down with it. Um, He's just had, like, a couple of insane touchdown catches where his ability to track the ball and make the catch while he's being, like, blanket coverage is just ridiculous. Like, let's be honest. Like, AJ Brown, like, doesn't get, like, an insane amount of separation, right? Because most of the routes that they send him on are, like, you know, 12-yard dig routes, like, fades along the sideline um but his like his ability his talent and skill at like those like those fade routes is just insane man especially like now like he is just cooking like he's on a hot streak they gotta ride it out you know until like he has like a bad game or something where he's just struggling or he gets shut down by some other team's corner but like i just i am in shock at what he's doing because he is like elevating to like literally best receiver in the game level like right now like Justin Jefferson has been hurt. Like, he's just been playing as the best wide receiver right now. Like, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Um, like, obviously, there's other people that match him in talent. But, like, right now, like, in terms of production and yardage and touchdowns and wins, like, nah, man. Like, it's got to be A.J. Brown right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought the touchdown that he had, you know, at the end of the first – to end the first half was ridiculous. But I thought the commanders had a pretty good response. Like, they, they drove the ball down and got a – 61 yard field goal. You know, after that like AJ Brown touchdown, they could have gotten, you know, kind of demoralized, but they drove the ball five plays, thirty-two yards, and thirty-three seconds, and they kicked a field goal and you know, they made it um seventeen to ten. They pushed out their lead a little bit. And like going into the halftime like locker room, it kind of did feel like, you know, the commanders came out and smacked the Eagles in the mouth. Um again, like they did like I said, they did get that touchdown to make it ten to 17 but or 10 to 14 and then you know the commanders kick the field goal but before that like it was like 14 to 3 and it was like dang the commanders are really really in this um i mean out of all the teams in their division like i mean they're definitely uh, like more scary than the giants um and i don't know like the 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 cowboys and eagles are gonna play soon so we'll see how that goes but like washington was is like a real threat like i don't know what i think they just have a good game plan and they just like are confident against the eagles and they come out you know like no worries like they have nothing to lose and they really do play like that um i thought you know continuing on this game like the eagles like finally got Devonte smith incorporated like he had seven targets which is only one less than aj um he had 99 yards uh receiving like i mean i thought he had like a pretty good day like the touchdown that he had like you know. A lot of his yardage came on that touchdown. That was just like a blown coverage. Like Jalen Hurts saw it, and that was like a walk in touchdown for him. Without that, like he would have had like you know a pretty modest day. But I like seeing that he has like seven targets, just because it shows you know they're trying to engage him more and they need him to like they need him to be pretty good. You know if they want to be firing on all cylinders. Um, So like I I like that part of their game uh, this time around um dallas Goder had a pretty you know simple game he had four catches only 36 yards on seven targets um deandre swift had 16 carries 57 yards for one touchdown um yeah let's talk a little bit about the turnovers right um one was like a play to kenneth gainwell um who managed to fumble the ball he only had two carries for negative four yards that was kind of a weird play like it looked like he kind of got held up and they knocked the ball out um I believe, uh, you know, it was yeah. They fumbled like a like a bunch here. Um, they actually got back like Washington recovered three fumbles, you know, in this game. Um, so th- that and yeah, they fumb- they recovered three fumbles in this game. So that that's a good job by them, um, you know, forcing the Eagles into turnovers and it almost won like they almost won the game literally because of that. Um, the second one, I was shocked because. The commanders have somehow solved the tush push. I don't know what they did on that one play, but the tush push did not work, which just has me in shock because I've literally come on this podcast for like the past three or four weeks and just talked about how unstoppable it is. But for the first time, the commanders put doubt into the Eagles' mind that the tush push would not work. Um, Jalen Hurts, I couldn't even really see what's going on because the tush push is just like like a bunch of bodies flying on top of each other. But Jalen Hurts basically pushed Uh, lost the ball i guess uh you know in exchange with um jason kelsey and then they the eagles like kept pushing him but obviously like they have no clue that the ball is out like you can't see the ball right so they're just like probably shoving jalen hurts um and then the commanders just recover the ball but it's probably like i think i saw some tweet where it's just like too funny um like basically like Imagine, like, you're Jalen Hurts, and, like, you know you don't have the ball, but you just feel, like, your whole team, like, shoving you, and you just, like, don't know what to do. And you're just, like, your lifeless body is just being shoved forward while the ball's on the floor. Um, That that thought was kind of funny to me. Um, But, yeah, and then after that, like, you know, the Eagles, then after that run the fake tush push, which is just, like, such an insane counter. Like, it's such a genius move. And, like, you know, it took them, like, two possessions to think of it, and now everyone is just, like... Dude, I can't believe we have to deal with this fake tush-push now, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was a fun game. Like, this was high-scoring. Both quarterbacks had four touchdown passes. The touchdown passes were, like, long, too. Like, you know, there weren't too many short ones. Um, This was a super interesting game to watch. And, and, you know, there was real doubt on the Eagles' side. Like, I thought the Commanders were going to pull this off. I'm shocked that the Eagles came back and won this. But, again, like, they're probably, like, you know, the best team in the NFL right now record-wise. And they're playing like it, too. Uh, You got to give them credit. Like, whenever they have some adversity in any game, they always kind of just come back and figure out a way to um, secure a win. So, it's a good job by them. Um, Moving on, let's go to, I guess, I don't even know if I can call this an upset. Um, Because, you know, before the season, like, I think everyone would have kind of been like, okay, yeah, you know what, that makes sense. But... In the current context of this season, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the 49ers is kind of an upset. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals win 31 to 17 over the 49ers, who have been struggling. Um, they started off five and zero. They've lost three in a row now. Um, a couple of bad, you know, a couple of turnovers, you know, in each game for Brock Purdy, which he was not doing at all before. Um, he was 22 for 31 in this game. 365 yards, you know, one touchdown and two picks. Um, Yeah, I mean, and you could argue, like, these these interceptions are literally, you know, what's causing them the game. Um, Let's start, you know, in the beginning. I thought, you know, um, Joe Burrow on his first drive had some insane play where it literally looked like he was going to get sacked four times. And, like, literally you could hear the arena, like, cheering because they thought they had him sacked on the first drive. Um, I think it was after like a Niners score or something too. Um, yeah. Or sorry, no, 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 it wasn't, they didn't, they just punted it. But yeah, like Joe burrow basically escaped like four defenders and then just threw like this insane pass on the run to T Higgins who caught it. And then somehow converted like that was insane. Like I thought just the fact that he got out of that and then, you know, completed it was ridiculous, but them like getting the first down on that play was insane. Um, and Joe Burrow had, like, a pretty masterful game in this one. Um, he was 28 for 32, only in four passes missed by him, 283 yards, passing three touchdowns. Um, he was sacked three times. Like, this is the Joe Burrow that, you know, we're used to seeing. Um, and this is the Bengals' offense that we're used to seeing. Uh, you know, this, um, th- yeah, that like, they're, they're, this is just the offense that we're used to seeing. Um Jamar Chase had 10 catches, 100 yards for one touchdown. T. Higgins had five catches for 69 yards. Tyler Boyd had three catches for 40 yards and one touchdown. And they even got Joe Mixon going, who had 16 carries for 87 yards and one touchdown. Um, I just thought, like, you know, throughout this game, I was just like, dude, like, this is the Bengals offense that everyone, you know, has seen the past couple of seasons. This is the Bengals offense that wins in the playoffs, right? It's not just one guy. It's how they spread it around. And it's how you don't know who Joe Burrow is going to throw to on any given play. Um, You know, Jamar Chase is definitely the guy who deserves the most targets and the most catches on this team because he's easily the most explosive. But like the plays that go to T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, in my opinion, are what keep a defense guessing. Right. Like you can't just focus in on Jamar Chase, because if you do that, T. Higgins is going to get open Um, and then random plays underneath Tyler Boyd is going to get open, too. Um and again like a lot of it doesn't work. I know like Joe Mixon has had a couple of seasons where he gets off to a slow start and then he kind of picks it up, so we'll see if he does that cuz last season he was tearing it up um on the ground. So we'll see if that continues, but you know like this was a great game for them and I wonder if this win is going to change some momentum for them. Um on the 49ers side, like Christian McCaffrey, you definitely got to give him praise. He tied the record for like the most consecutive games with a touchdown. I think he's like at 17 or something like that now. Um, he had 12 carries for 54 yards and one touchdown. He had six catches for 64 yards and one touchdown. Um, I thought a lot of the plays, like, you know, Brock Purdy wasn't terrible. Like, he had 365 yards passing. Um, he was, he made a bunch of like deep passes, you know, to George Kittle, who, who had nine catches, 149 yards. Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 109 yards. Um, it's just the fact that they got like so much yard. Like, they had, Three hundred forty, like seven yards passing, um, and one hundred and thirteen yards rushing. That's so much offense. That is like almost like five hundred yards of offense. But they only scored seventeen points because of the turnovers, and the turnovers, which were like so costly. That's probably what cost them the game, right? Like, you had two interceptions. You know, they lose. They lose by fourteen points. Um, yeah, that that was like pretty. That was pretty big for them. Uh, let me see. And after the interceptions, you know, like, the first one, um, I thought that was, like, the real backbreaker for the 49ers, right? Like, basically, they get, um, you know, the – sorry, the Bengals – the 49ers get an interception on – they basically turn over uh, Brock Purdy. And then on the very next play, the Bengals get an interception themselves – yeah, like that—that that was just bad. And at that point, like you know, they, uh, it—that it, was just the back-breaking momentum, like ending thing for them. Uh, and, and after that, you know, the the Bengals go down. They score the touchdown to Joe Mixon, and that kind of puts it out of reach. Um, and then you know, Purdy again, like you know, gets sacked, uh, gets he gets fumbled, and he's kind of like frustrated at that point. Um, he's had like these, like his games haven't been like so terrible, right? Like. It's not like he's just throwing like every single pass like an interception. He's just having like these weird like lapses during games where he's throwing a pick and then it kinda like doubt settles in and then he gets sacked and then like he holds on the ball too long and then his judgment is off. And then, so it's clear that these turnovers are like rattling him and it's kind of you know, they don't they also don't have Debo, um, which kinda sucks for them because like, you know, if you get Debo on one of these passes to that like Ayu can kill or receiving, maybe Debo breaks it open and scores a touchdown. Like that's what he's great at. Um, so it sucks that they're not at full strength, but I mean the 49ers are definitely like reeling right now Like this has not been a good couple of like good months for them pretty much like they've lost three in a row Um Let's see. They have a couple of tough match. They have uh, like a ton of tough tough matchups coming up too They have the jaguars They have the buccaneers who have not been easy to play by any stretch, you know this season They have the seahawks twice. They have the eagles in between that um, they have like, you know, and then towards the end, you know, they have a slate that's Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, Rams. So I'm curious, like, how long? Like, I I mean I think they'll definitely still make the playoffs. I'd be shocked if they don't, but like they're gonna have to put together some good, good performances soon. Um, you know, if they wanna beat these teams and secure a good playoff spot as well. Um, and who knows, like maybe they um at this point, like with this loss, the Seahawks are actually number one in that division. So and like they have two games against the Niners coming up, and those two games, you know, are probably going to decide who wins this division. And if they're a wild-card team, like, anything can happen, you know. It's it's never good to be a wild-card team um, just because, you know, going on the road in a playoff environment is very difficult, especially with a younger quarterback like Brock Purdy. Um, yeah, I thought, like, you know, that, that one uh, stretch I was talking before about before – basically burrow completes the pass to jamar chase but the niners just like rip away the ball and their defense makes a huge play that could change the game but then it's like the very next play you know purdy throws a pick and then after that the bengals go down score a touchdown um and i think you know at that point that puts them up two scores um and then you know they uh yeah at that point they go up two scores then the, the niners do end up scoring that's i think that's the pass to Christian McCaffrey. But the the Bengals answer with a touchdown drive of their own 31 to 17 um and then at that point you know Purdy fumbles the Bengals hop on the ball and it's game over at that point um pretty interesting game I mean it was just good to see the Bengals you know kind of get back into the rhythm of things I still think you know they're four and three they're kind of clicking right now they're obviously probably going to make the playoffs you know despite their first like month of the season kind of being a wash um I think they'll definitely make it you know as a wild card team um so it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how they move forward. And for the Niners, like I said, like they need to get their shit together because otherwise, you know, they're going to be a wild card team and maybe, you know, even out of the playoffs sooner rather than later. Um, so let's see. Hopefully they can rebound. Uh, they definitely need Debo back. Let's, let's try to get Debo back healthy. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the Browns and Seahawks. Um, yeah, I mean, this game was, like, pretty intense. Like, it was pretty fun watching this game. Um, I guess I'll put this one as my favorite of the week. Obviously, you could tell as I saved it for the last of the recap. Um, the Seattle Seahawks come away victorious against the Cleveland Browns, twenty-four to twenty. You know, this game was super interesting. I thought, you know, the Seahawks look so sharp. Like Geno Smith in his first two drives is like was bawling, and I think it's like a good trend. Honestly, like the Seahawks have been so good on their first couple of drives, but then their offense kind of stalls. And then, like, in the last quarter, like, they'll make, like, a clutch, like, push, you know? It's, like, really weird. It makes me think, like, are they just, like, scheming up, like, really good plays? But then, like, if you watch some of the things that Geno Smith was doing on those first two drives, like, he, like, this Cleveland Browns defense is obviously insane. We've talked about it. Like, Miles Garrett is a complete game wrecker. They have a ton of talent on that defense. They can generate a ton of pressure. But Geno Smith was just making so many good moves where he was using his legs to avoid pressure and he was buying time uh, and he was throwing dimes, buying time, throwing dimes. Geno Smith. What else is new? Um, (laughs) No, but I mean, like he also like he also threw like two picks, which low key, like, you know, kept the Browns like in the game. Um, And, you know, the Browns are like their offense is in a very, very weird spot. Um, P.J. Walker, you know, against the Colts, he could not really throw the ball at all. Um, in you know, in fifteen in this game, he was fifteen of thirty-one for two hundred forty-eight yards. But like outside of a few outside throws to Amari Cooper, a lot of those completions were just the Browns' offense being like very creative and setting up screens, right? And I was just shocked at like how well these screens worked because. The, um like, normally, like, when a defense, like, knows a screen is coming, like, it's pretty easy to stop. But this Cleveland offensive line is just so good that, like, anytime they decide to run a screen, like, they're just, like, their offensive line is getting down the field and blocking and just, like, creating a ton of space. And, like, basically, their players are getting a ton of free run after that. You know, like, <clears throat> the David Njoku touchdown... <laughs> that he had was pretty much like a huge screen that just got set up. And I was like, dude, like, I don't know how he scored this off of a screen. Like, that was pretty – it was – like, they just, like, kept running screens and it just kept working. Like, they kept getting, like, huge chunk plays. Like, they kept converting. They kept moving the ball down. And obviously, they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, Kareem Hunt had 14 carries, 55 yards, one touchdown. Pierre Strong had 10 carries for 41 yards. Um, Jerome Ford had nine carries, 37 yards. We do know that Jerome Ford, you know, coming off the injury from last week, he's probably not getting too big of a workload this week. Um, But it's been crazy. Like, you know, both games, like, the Browns did beat the Colts, but, again, just barely. And, again, just barely, they lose to Seattle. It just shows, like, how good their offensive line is because they're actually, like, just carrying the load um, for P.J. Walker and this team. And, like, literally any running back that they put behind this line, like, looks pretty good. Um, But, again, like, it's only sustainable for so long. Like, other teams are good as well. Like, if you're playing against another good team, like, they'll figure out a way to win, right? Um, and their defense keeps them in the game. Their offensive line keeps them in the game. But, again, the Seattle Seahawks come away with a win in this one. Um, it was a super close game, uh, especially towards the end there. Um, you know, it, it was like neck and neck the whole game. You know, the, the Browns go up 20-17 to 17, uh, after they kick a field goal. Um, you know, Gino's, I think that's one of the picks that Gino threw. Uh, yeah, pretty much. The pick, you know, after that, they only have to go 30 yards. They kick a field goal, a bunch of punts. Um, and then after that, you know, the the Seahawks get a pick on um, on uh, Philip Walker, which was an insane play by Jamal Adams. Like, basically, Jamal Adams just jumps. The ball, like, n- like hits his helmet and goes flying up into the air, um, intercepted by Julian Love. Um, and after that, you know, the Seahawks, they go on a touchdown drive after that. Bunch of clutch plays uh, by Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant had a big run on that play, um, and then the end around kind of it was kind of like a short pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba who ran around uh, a DK Metcalf block for the touchdown, um, and then after that they pretty much just forced a four and out on the um, well they got a sack uh, you know on uh, PJ or sorry yeah PJ Walker and after that you know they uh, he throws incomplete um to David Njoku, which kind of ends the game. Um, but yeah, super exciting. And, and this is like this was just kind of like a pretty big game for Seattle. Like they're five and two. They are number one in this division. And they have a couple of games coming up against a struggling 49ers team. If they could snag one of these, I would say they have a pretty good chance at, you know, making like winning the division. Um, they the two they have a couple of like, you know, weird games as well. Like they have Ravens up next, Commanders, Rams, the Niners twice, Cowboys um, Eagles, So they have a pretty rough four-game stretch where they play the Niners twice, Cowboys and Eagles, all within like, you know, a month span, like four-week span. That's going to be really rough. But the end of their schedule is not that bad. You know, they have Titans, Steelers, and Cardinals. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, this is the team that's definitely going to be competing for the division here. Um, yeah, so to kind of wrap up um, my recap, um, I want to talk about the NFL trade deadline, uh, which is 4 p.m. Eastern today. Um, I'm not going to go through every single move because, you know, there are a bunch of moves that just aren't really worth talking about. Um, I will talk about a couple of interesting ones though. Um, Kirk cousins, he tore his Achilles. Um, and as a result, you know, the Vikings are going to trade for Joshua Dobbs, um, from the Cardinals who was playing decently well. And then randomly, I think, you know, Jonathan Gannon said he was going to get benched. And a lot of people were, you know, kind of saying in the comments, like, Oh, he's going to get traded. Um, I can't believe he actually did get traded. Uh, I don't like really know if it's worth for the Vikings to do this because you know they're sitting there at 4 and 4 you know maybe they're trying to salvage and see if they can make the playoffs um right now they're sitting at like the 7th seed so I guess they are like you know in a wild card team um yeah I mean I could see it I don't know before I, I thought their record was like way worse and they're out of the playoff picture um but you know currently they're like number 7 Um, so, like, and below them is, like, the Rams, Commanders, Packers, teams like that. So, if you're confident that, you know, the you think you could be better than the Rams, Commanders, and Packers, like, going forward, um, like, might as well just, you know, salvage your season that way and try to make the playoffs. Obviously, I don't think anyone is picking them to, like, win anything in the playoffs, but, you know, their trade for Joshua Dobbs, you know, at least gives them more of a competent chance, you know, if they really don't have any faith in their backups, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, that's that's gonna happen. Uh he'll probably play for them, I'd assume. Um Yeah, so moving on from that trade, um, a couple of big ones from teams that are doing pretty well. Um, the Eagles acquire Kevin Byard from the Titans. That move actually happened a little bit ago. It wasn't like a deadline, like, you know, move, but um that's pretty big for them. Uh Kevin Bayard is like an all-pro level safety for the Titans. The Titans who are struggling this year um you know their their record is let's see uh they're three and four right now um ryan Tannehill is hurt you know like the vibes in tennessee are just not that great because it seems like okay like even if they make the playoffs it's to like what end so it seems like the titans are kind of like you know going back and like you know selling on some of their players to maybe, like, kind of reload in the draft. Um, Derrick Henry was, like, a popular name for them at the trade deadline, too. They didn't end up trading him. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, maybe, like, in the offseason or something, if they do end up offloading him and, like, kind of going the young route um, with Will Levis, who did debut and had four touchdowns, you know, in his first game, which is pretty interesting. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, for the Eagles, like, this is a great move. Um, Their secondary, like, they have, like, really good corners. We talked about it before. James Bradbury, Darius Slayer, fantastic. Um, they've been playing like Reed Blankenship, but you know kept in adding Kevin Bayard to that secondary group, solidifies their defense and adds one more playmaker in the back um, in the back side of their defense that and their defense already has like a ton of playmakers. like their defense is straight ballers. Um, a lot of rich getting richer at this trade deadline. Um, but yeah, I mean if you're the Eagles, like why not like go all in like you are playing like the best team in the NFL right now. Um, you have like a really good shot at making the Super Bowl. You might as well go all-in now and just load up on as much talent and take advantage of these teams that are selling off. So I definitely like that move um, by the Eagles. Um, a couple other moves, the Bills trade for Rajul Douglas uh, from Green Bay. Um, I think that'll help out their secondary. Um, I don't really have too much to say on that because, I don't know, like – I don't think it makes as big of an impact as, you know, Kevin Bayard or like the other moves that I'm going to talk about. Um, But definitely like, you know, it's worth noticing that the bills are also trading to try to get a little bit better. Um, And it's just interesting to see also like not from the team that's receiving the player, but also from the other team, right? Like the teams that sell off are, you know, obviously like considering their future as well. And if they're going to have like a middling season, sometimes it's better just to kind of like, you know, restock the cupboard and get a few more draft picks, um, to to swing on for the draft so that that's also interesting to me um i thought the the two like really high-powered moves um the seahawks trading for leonard williams from the giants that is huge like i thought leonard williams was so important to that defense like they had him in the middle um he pretty much you know was like the base of their run defense he just clogged up so many uh running lanes for them um he was a great player like He's like definitely like you know Pro Bowl level type of guy um, that the Seahawks are trading to shore up their middle, and like the Seahawks secondary is fire. Like they have you know Devon uh, Witherspoon, who they got earlier in the draft. He's been making a ton of big plays. Um, they have Tariq Woolen from last year, Jamal Adams in the secondary, uh, Julian Love, I guess, who they also traded for. I think they did trade him for the Giants. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean they're taking advantage of a Giants team that's reeling. Trading for Leonard Williams gives them a huge boost in that in the middle of their defense. Um, and like, you know, this is a team that's like very clearly thinks that they can win the division, you know. Everyone kind of including me, like penciled in the Niners. Um, you know, that is probably the biggest podcast curse, actually. After I gassed up the Niners, they pretty much lost three in a row and they've been reeling ever since. So if you're looking for evidence of a podcast curse, that's it right then and there. Um <laughs> uh yeah, but so yeah, the Seahawks improve. Um, and probably the, like one of the biggest moves, the 49ers trade for Chase Young from the Commanders. Um, the Commanders shift off um, Montez Sweat as well to the Bears. The Commanders are kind of shipping off, you know, the high draft picks of their defense and sending them. A lot of this also comes down to teams like not wanting to pay these guys and not wanting to extend them, especially if they're due for huge contracts and the team is kind of going in a different you know, direction and they want a little bit more freedom for cap space. Um, but Chase Young, adding him to that defensive lineman with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Hargrave and all these guys, like they are gonna be, they are already such an insanely dangerous defensive front. And adding Chase Young to that is ridiculous. It's like it's literally like very similar to, um, you know, adding. Um, yeah, it's very similar to adding uh, like the Eagles getting Kevin Byard. It's just like the rich getting richer. Um, like these are teams that are. Like, they are trying to contend. Like, they are trying to, like, make deep playoff runs and go to the Super Bowl. Um, And these moves are going to be, like, probably pretty impactful, you know. Like, we're going to look back at these moves in the playoffs, like, especially if these guys are the ones making plays. Um, And we're going to be, you know, seeing if these guys can make the plays to push their team over the edge to make another Super Bowl or to make a championship game. Um Yeah, pretty interesting trade deadline, you know. Obviously, a couple of like there are like a ton of smaller moves that are not really worth talking about. I kind of just listed out the ones that I thought were most interesting or noteworthy. Um, yeah, I mean th- these are going to be big moves that'll have pretty pretty good impact on their team. So let's see how that plays out. Um, anyways, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, as always, um, I appreciate your listenership, um, and thank you for listening to my recap. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.